Why, hello, Jorgasm family. This is Russ. Just wanted to let everybody know before we get started that I'm very, very excited to be able to share with everyone our official Elden Ring review. It's been a long time coming, and we had so much stuff to cover and say that this particular review is going to be cut into two parts because it ended up being like two hours long. Actually, it was probably a little more than two hours long. And so we decided that that was probably going to be a bit too much to just pack into one episode. So this first part is going to be about an hour long. And then next week we will drop part two. And that is also going to be, um, an hour long as well. This first part is going to focus on us discussing the Elden Ring lore and having explanations for the story itself. And then part two is going to cover the art direction and combat mechanics, as well as our individual review of the game or our rating, so to speak. So anyway, just wanted to throw that disclaimer out there so that way there's no confusion. And I hope you all enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ. He's Steve. And we have finally become... Elden Lord in episode 286 today, September 1st, 2022. I am pleased as punch to let you all know that Nick, a.k.a. Big Baby Moose, has now once again joined us. Say hello, Nicholas. Hello, everyone. <laughs> to, welcome to the lands between. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Oh, <laughs> Nice. Let me tell you what. Staring at that beautiful depiction of a man. Manly man right mm. there. Yay. We've got you front and center. We're looking at you. <laughs> oh, multiple screens man. here. That's hey. some red action now, don't right be there. Shy. Show off the, the physique now, Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very nice. Ah, ah, the royal wave. Very fetching. Very yes. polished. <laughs> very nice. It goes very nicely with the quaffed hair as well. Mm. Like it. Oh, oh, yes. Well, it's quite long. <laughs> very nice. Uh, we are very jealous over here being uh, Q-tips, basically. You're pretty Q-tips, though. I would stick you in my ear. Like, <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, Maybe I should have thought of a well, better analogy. Well played. Yeah. Well played. <laughs> We're going to be getting right into our topic of the day, which I think we are all very excited about, which is Elden Ring Review. So there's no need to fast forward whatsoever. Yeah. We're going to be getting into the joygasm goodness right mm. away. Before we do, though, make sure you cleave that subscribe button and dominate that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single solitary episode of Joygasm that drops once a week, every week. Gentlemen, I thought perhaps we could uh, do a little bit of a round robin at first. You don't say. Uh, giving our kind of high level uh, reaction to our overall experience in the game, and then we'll kind of drill down into different sections. Mm. 
not necessarily have to go into any particular order, but you know, we're going to be talking about the art direction. We're going to be talking about the sure. story. So. We're going to be talking about the battle combat ah. mechanics. So in the, uh, you know, the spirit of keeping things eh, somewhat organized, uh, we'll, we'll just, we'll try and tackle each one with a specific focus. And that way we're not all over the place. Just seem, keep things somewhat chaotic and all over the place. We're just going to say whatever's on our mind. Let's just see what happens. Totally go for it. Go for it. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So um, let us start. You know what? Let's start with our guest, Nicholas. Ah, Nick, can you please? Nice and polite. Mm. I try. I, I have my moments. <laughs> Not many of them, but I do Few, have them. Few small ones. Dick, can you please uh, kick us off with your high-level <laughs> uh, experience with Elden Ring? I would be happy to. So I think to start it off, I should kick off how I even got to playing this game to begin with, which would be thanks to you two fine fellows. I was terrified of playing a From Software game. I'd heard all the horror stories. I'd heard your adventures in Sekiro and the uh, intense rage yes. that it caused in you. Very Hulk-like, one might say. Yes. And uh, I was a little standoffish, but the two of you were like, no, no, you got to try this out. You really got to give this one a whirl. And so I broke down and I did it. And let me just say, I am absolutely pleased with this game. Uh, probably the best game that I've played in many, many years. Uh, easily jumped into my top five favorite games all time. And uh, I'm old, so I started with Pong and the Atari. So yeah, it's quite a big catalog. So they had to jump over a lot of games, but really enjoyed the game. Uh, loved the combat, came to love the combat. Initially, it was very... Uh, intimidating, but as I kind of found my way through, you know, I felt like uh, it wasn't insurmountable. And I, I'd say for me, that was probably the biggest surprise and probably the most pleasant one was that the game is punishing at times, but it never fe felt unfair. Like it, I could always look at something and go, hey, I messed up there. I need to do this next time. Or, you know, I, I should have, you know, rolled into the enemy instead of away or whatever it may be. And, um, I think when you go into it, that kind of, you know, frame of mind where it's like, okay, I'm going to accept that, that there's a learning curve here and that more often than not, it's going to be me. It's not that the game's cheap. I've played some games that have cheap antics. I think about NBA Jam back in the arcade. Oh, back yeah. Back in the day. You'd have a, this giant lead and you'd get to the fourth quarter and all of a sudden the, the computer just goes bonkers and like ties the game up in three seconds. It isn't that kind of thing. It's, it's genuinely, it, it, you're the problem. I put it loosely, but loved the game, really enjoyed everything about it from the art style, really liked the Renaissance style that they kind of like chose with a lot of their stuff. And uh, yeah, my first from software game, it's got me intrigued to try some others now. Right on, right on. Steve, I know also for you mm. that it was your first foray into a from software. Software. Your first foray into them ones and zeros. All putting a pattern to do something. I don't, I don't know what happened right there. My brain just puckered out or something. I was just like, <laughs> Yeah, you go, you know, you go walk in there, you grab that stick, you swing it, like, you know. You know. <laughs> I got a little weird Man. there. That was that was uh that was awesome. That was awesome with that one. First floor in the From Software title. We're fixing to do some fight here in some From Software guns. There's going to be a fracas. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Right. 
Uh, let me try that again. <laughs> okay. Are you sure? That's pretty good the first time. Anyway, it, be, it being your first foray as well into mm. a From Software title, I would love to hear your high-level experience regarding the title, Steve. And I know that we've already, you know, we've, we've talked, talked quite a bit about it, bro. We have, Steve. We have. Yeah. Please take it away. Well, um, it didn't start off well, Russ. It started off pretty rocky, pretty bumpy. I thought, why am I even playing this game? Of course, I started it when I was like, I was half asleep. I think I walked off the cliff about 26 times before I thought, <laughs> it's probably not the night to start this game. <laughs> I'm like really passing out. Um, and then I died a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I died some You more. do that a little bit. Yeah. You know, Just you, a you bit. You do it yes. every once in a while. And then... Um, it, it definitely puckered my butthole pretty much every corner I looked around. Uh, I'm like, is there a boss around here? Like, darn it. Yeah. Gosh, like I'm so weak right now. I think it was more like, ah! Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> Run away. Yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. Um, but no, I mean, so there's there's definitely like the, the challenges there. I mean, that's got to be obvious, yes. right? Um, yes. But it, it's different than a lot of games I played because... Like, you just probably woke up like half the neighborhood. I know, right I probably there. did. You tell me to be quiet like all the time. You're like, you're being so loud. Like, people are sleeping over there. I'm like, right, I'm cool. Right. Uh, and then you just pop off. We're going to have like the I'm entire neighborhood screaming. bursting through my door with pitchforks and shotgun. Like, <laughs> it's going to be like, someone getting hurt. I heard a scream. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I thought we were playing games and then I heard some screams. I'm ready to go. Where'd you yeah. guys get the torches? <laughs> yeah. That's very colonial mm. of you. Mm. And pitchforks. <laughs> kind of Elden Ring-ish. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yes. So, um, but no, there, so there's a lot of stuff to actually love about the game. I mean, dying is one thing. Appreciating all like the art and the names of everything and whatever, how it looks and the fact that like the little nuance type stuff, like when you die or the little sound effects that when you are respawned, <laughs> I guess, like you're like, you're encouraged to, to push forward and try again. Not just like throw the controller at the TV and like, I'm done with this. I'm walking away. Yeah. You know, and I need a two, new TV and a new <laughs> controller because everything's broken. Um, Added to the pile of already broken TVs and controllers. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that this is, this is definitely high on the list for, for RPGs. Um, but it's funny because the, uh, the 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 little quips I had in the beginning kind of carried out throughout the rest of the game. The quips or the, the quips, the uh, issues. Yeah. Well, I mean, issues may be too big of a word. I mean, I, I had like little nuances that I found in the beginning of the game. That like, I wonder why it's this way or that way. Or um, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit. But um, I mean, you get all the way to the end of the game, and it like nothing that really got better with those little quips. Sure. That I had. But that's all they really were. I mean, they didn't dampen the experience. I'm still glad I played the game. I'm still playing the game with, you know, New Game Plus, as are you, as are big baby Moosey Moose. Exactly. True. So, uh, I'll stop there. Mm. I'll pass it to you. Oh, wow. <laughs> Why, thank you. <clears throat> so, as Nick was alluding to earlier, um, this is a game that I almost passed on. It was not a game that I was planning to play, not because right. that uh, I didn't think that From Software made great titles because they do. It's just that these games are so hard, and especially the one that, that I got started with, which was Sekiro, uh, as, as Nick was, was also mentioning. I mean, I, I think I lost a few years of my life off that game because uh, I 
have never been so utterly enraged and furious at a title because it was just so hard. Um, but we had a lot of the gaming community constantly just talking on social media about how wonderful this game is. And so finally, I remember talking to you one day and saying, you know, I think we need to cover this game right. because there are way too many people that are just really singing its praises and, and, and we would be remiss if we actually decided not to uh, to cover the game, at least give it a shot. And I'm so glad that we did because, wow, this game um, with a, a very like few like little nitpicks that I do have. I mean, th this this game is in fact a game changer. I really do believe that after going through experiencing all that the game had to offer, beating the game, finally, I think it took me about 255 <clears> hours <throat> or something like that. That's pretty accurate, bro. Thank you. I uh, checked my stats. I but, didn't. Well, how sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, no, but I, I really did um, find myself just getting lost in the immersive qualities of the game, as I know we all did mm. as we were going through it and marveling over all of the different places, marveling over how freaking huge this game Man. is. And also, too, like uh, enough of the sophistication when it comes to the, the, the combat mechanics and the various types of enemies that you come across. Mm. It ended up being this absolute masterpiece of a game. And yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was, it was something that like, I ended up buying a physical copy of, if you recall, we had a conversation about, you know, would we continue to buy physical copies of games? And right. I was saying, well, for the ones that really stand out, like Red Dead Redemption 2 was another game that I, I bought a physical sure. copy of because it's like, this game will remain in my gaming library forever because that was a life changer kind of thing. So I did the exact same thing with with uh, with this title. Nice. Yes, indeed. Very nice, Russ. That's funny because I downloaded it. Uh huh. I didn't buy. Oh, not at least not yet. But I mean, when I saw the the trailers on the uh, like you know E three show mm -hmm. or the yeah. Xbox showcase, uh, whatever it was, like I was gonna pass. I'm like, I have no clue what's going on here. Like I see baddies everywhere and they look gruesome. And then you're a good guy and you're gonna do something. For the good of whatever. And I thought, okay, pass. And then I remember like you are like, you're like, we, we got to play it. <laughs> everyone's talking about it. I know. I'm like, I don't want to spend like 60 bucks on a game that I'm not going to like. I, I think I even, I even said that. I begrudgingly <laughs> bought it. And then I remember telling friends like, oh, you got it. You got it. You ever started playing it yet? I mean, I already beat it. I already beat it like five times already. Uh -huh. But are you going to play it? I'm like, okay, yeah, I got, I get it. I got it. Okay, good. It was a, it was a good <laughs> foreshadow into what we what we would eventually experience. I mean, I, I, it was just, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. It is. So question for all of you, all meaning all two of you. <laughs> um what would you like to start with? Are you guys wanting to talk about the open world? Do you want to talk about the story? Do you want to talk about the art direction or the combat mechanics? What, what do you guys, what do you, what do you want to kick it off with here as we drill down into spoiler territory? I'm down for either story or play mechanics, Rose. Okay. How about story? Does that sound good to you, Nick? That sounds just fine. So Nick is someone who um, has really put a lot of time and effort into 
kind of going through and discovering more of the lore behind the game, because if you've played this game at any length, then you're already aware of the fact that the story itself is not very forthcoming. You get little fragmented bits and pieces of things, but overall it is more of kind of a nebulous breadcrumb experience. And so he's really taken it upon himself to uh, do some research and find out um, different things. And, and he's already kind of spoken to me about some of the questions that I've had with the game. So I'm going to kick it over to you, Nick, and um, let you really just, I, I'd like for you to be able to, to, to talk about the relationships of what's going on with the, with the key players in Elden Ring, but then also drill down a bit into kind of the, you know, what, what were, what were some of the, the motivations or driving vehicles behind Queen America, as well as the significance of who the tarnished are. And I would love for you to talk about some of the, the shadows, the guardian uh, types that we've discussed uh, prior to this. So please take it away, sir. Okay. So yeah, I would say the, you know, on breadcrumbs might be putting it, uh, <laughs> too generously. Mildly. It might be too generous. <laughs> it might be too generous. Cause I, I mean, my, my first playthrough, I'm sure like a lot of people, uh, I just was running around and of course it's this giant world and you're exploring, you're, it's, you know, and I like to wander, I get the wanderlust and I just, you know, go. And so I ended up uh, missing a ton of stuff. And I was kind of, you know, as I was going through, I'm like, what's going on here? You know, I don't really understand what my motivation is, is the, you know, the protagonist in this, in this story completely. And it was really funny. So I'm kind of used to that. <laughs> Unfortunately, fortunately, I don't know, depends on your point of view, I guess, uh -huh. from playing Destiny. And Destiny is notorious for having a lot of the lore and the story and everything is outside the game or it's, hidden, you know, items that you got to read long descriptions on and, and things of that nature. So I was kind of already used to that. So I started kind of looking at the items because items all have descriptions of like what they are, where they're from. And some of them are short and then some of them are pretty eye opening as to what it is and where it came from um, and what you know, significance it has in the lands between. And so that kind of piqued my interest. So then, of course, I went to YouTube and started looking up uh, various people who would talk about the lore to kind of get a better idea of what was going on. And uh, to the point that now in my second playthrough, at least with my initial character, I've been following a guide that tells you where to go and who to find. Mm -hmm. doesn't tell you what's going to happen or anything like that, but just kind of tells you where to go, who to find. Helps to um, expedite the, each one of those journeys. Right, so you don't miss anything because it's yeah. it's really easy to miss stuff. And I, I, yeah, they've got the little ray of you know golden light that's supposed to you know the the grace is supposed to kind of point you. It is so unbelievably vague, uh, and it's very easy. <laughs> here, here. And depending on which grace point you're at, it may tell you to go a totally different direction than the last grace point went to because it's like, well, no, there's this thing over here you need to deal with. And so, it, following a cohesive narrative is, is hard to do. So I would say that's my biggest quip with the game uh, is that you have to rely kind of on outside sources or just be really good at minutia um, to really understand what's going on and where to go next. So mm -hmm. that being said though, getting into the lore, um, you find out that there's like this whole crazy family tree thing, you know, that's going on this family dynamic that's completely busted. That starts with Queen Merica who, you know, basically decides that she's going to, you know, split the Elden Ring. And then, of course, all of her 
kids, the demigods in the game, start fighting over it. And the interesting thing is not all of them are actually truly hers. Mm -hmm. So she has the ones that are that are hers from um, when she was married to, uh, I believe it's Godwin. And oh, it was, I think Godwin was her son. Godwin the Golden, right? No, Godwin was the first Elden Lord. Okay. Yeah, he's the first Elden Lord. And um, eventually Radagon becomes her her other primary partner, just to keep this, you know, relatively mm. short, not dive too right. hard. And <laughs> her, her side piece. Yeah, it, yeah. And <laughs> like the whole thing, they became one. They literally are one. Really weird. Still don't fully understand how they're the same person, but somehow they're the same person. Man. A little weird. It's odd. We'll go, go with, with that. It. Still haven't yeah. figured that one out quite just yet. Right. But uh, anyway, uh, so Radigan comes into the relationship. He's originally with uh, 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 Renala at the Academy of Lucaria. And, she, and that was her, her husband. Mm-hmm. And he leaves and goes and joins America. So, she, but they had already had some children. I think, uh, if I, let me see if I can get this right. Ronnie was one of her kids and, uh, Rikard and, uh, Radon mm-hmm. were all her children with Radagon. And then of course you had the other ones, uh, from Queen America, which were like Moog, uh, mm-hmm. Margit, Mm-hmm. And I'm Margot. forgetting one. Margot, Margot. Yeah, Margot, not Margit. Um, well, there's two of them. Yeah, yeah but Mar- yeah. Margit is actually not this, not related. Moog and Margot are brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, oh gosh, it's the guy who's in Stormville Castle. What's the name? Help me out here. Oh, it was Godric the Grafted? Is that his yeah, name? Yeah, I think, or- yeah, and he's the other one. And he's like, by far the weakest of them all, apparently. Yeah, apparently he's like the runt of the litter, or I think, or something to that effect. Don't know how that is, Russ. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you wouldn't have... <laughs> Poor Steve. <laughs> you got all the muscle, though, bro. You're all right. Ah, thanks, Nick. Thanks for the love. Yeah, I'm here for you, bro. All ah, <laughs> right. Anyway, so you got this whole dynamic, and of course, within, within these children, they're all vying for something different. And I think that, you know, that is kind of the main story of what's going on. And that's directing a lot of what you do as a character. You have, of course, Ronnie's doing her thing. She wants to bring on a, a age of a thousand years of, of starlight and, and moonlight. And she's tied into this moon and ice god, um, this elder god that she's, she's interested in kind of creating a completely new world. Then you've got, of course, Rikard, who's just said, to heck with the Golden Order and the Erd Tree. We're doing our own thing. We're going to kill Tarnished. And we're going to take over this whole thing. And you've got Radon, who was fighting some of the other demigod children, uh, Michaela, or yeah, Michaela. Mm-hmm. You got it. And, and uh, Blade of Millennia in particular. And that's what unleashed the Scarlet Rot that's throughout the whole thing. And he's been holding the stars back because his whole thing is he learned gravity magic uh, for a number of reasons. The funniest reason why he learned gravity magic so he could ride that tiny horse without killing it. That's actually true. <laughs> oh that's, so the little tiny horse he's on, he, he, that's one of the reasons he does gravity magic. It's not kill his, that his faithful yeah. steed, his tiny, tiny horse, which is the funniest thing when you see it. And uh, so you have that whole dynamic with them fighting each other. And by holding the stars in check, he's stopping Ronnie from doing her goal, which is to turn this into this thousand years of starlight and totally different thing. And it's also holding back some of the, he's been holding back the scarlet rot from uh, Michaela, but it is killing him and driving him insane. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on. And the, the thing is, is it's hard to pick up on all of that if you don't have some kind of like additional information. You pick up a little bit off of the, off of the uh, items and whatnot, but um, 
it's it's hit or miss. I'm really thankful for the people who are out there who are able to dig into this stuff. They have experience with from software games. Um, I guess Dark Souls can be kind of a little squirrely mm-hmm. and story wise too. So uh, they take the time to actually direct you in you know what's happening, who's what, who's against who, and that sort of thing. And I mean, and that's just the main characters. Then there's all this other stuff. You've got the Black Knife Tish, who you know basically went and assassinated. Uh, uh, you know, went out to kill people or continuing to kill people within the game. Um, there's just, there's a ton of really interesting things going on. And so the story, when you dig into it mm-hmm. is it's fantastic. And it's not surprising. I mean, you've, you've got from software with their pedigree, you've got George R. R. Martin with his influence. So there's some really interesting stuff there, but unfortunately it's not easy to pick up on without going to some additional sources unless like I said, you're better than me at, at following the the threadbare breadcrumbs <laughs> that they leave for you. But yeah, that's, no, yeah. it's um to to pause for just a moment and and kind of comment on that. You know what's interesting is is that as we play through this this fantastic game, um, there there is so much that we see that that because there isn't like this very purposeful story that's being forthcoming to us, we're having to kind of fill in the gaps ourselves. You know, like, like for instance, when, when we go to Kalid, um, I mean, that's a place that I feel every time I go, I'm like, I am uncomfortable being here. Like, Oh, yeah. they nailed, they nailed it from the, the ambient sounds, the, the music, everything there makes you just feel kind of like, eh. yeah, I mean, it, it, it's Definitely more of like a, like a hellish area. Um, it, it feels disease ridden and, but you, but when you're first introduced to this place, you have no idea why it's just that way. And then once you hear the story, like, like, you know, what, what Nick was talking about just now about how actually there was like this big battle that took place between, um, Radon and what was, is it, it's, uh, Michaela, Michaela, Melania, Michaela, one of them. Yeah. Michaela. Are they, are they the same? <laughs> no, Melania, Blade of Bikella. There, there you go. go. Mich- it's Melania. Melania. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so, too many M names. <laughs> Melania. <laughs> Elania. <laughs> Melania. There are no, no, a lot. <laughs> Thanks a lot, George. Um, but anyway, like, like you, you, you find out about the backstory of what happened, and then suddenly what you see is like an evil place is actually more of a tragic place because... Yeah. There, there is just this bickering and fighting amongst these different houses that are more or less related to each other. Mm-hmm. And then you realize like the aftermath, you, you are existing in this world's aftermath of what went down with like the shattering, for instance, which was basically like, I guess their civil war or something. Basically when Queen America shattered the ring, then it was known as like the shattering, which then was basically when all of the demigods grabbed up a rune, which is basically a fragment of the Elden Ring, and then essentially tried to like force their vision or will of what they wanted to see happen and rise to power. And then they just ended up destroying everybody and everything in the process. And the, yeah, the place becomes broken and it's crazy because there's even more things going on than even that. There are these elder gods that are outside. They're outside sources. Even the Erd tree itself is not the original Erd tree. It comes from the elder gods. They came there. They inhabited the Erd tree tarnished and people who are not um, omens are able to be, if they're buried in the roots of the Erd tree, which is why when we go in the catacombs, there's always bodies around those roots. Right. It's so they, they can be reborn again. Omens cannot be born again. So you've got these omens with their whole thing. 
you know, and they're born with uh, the horns and stuff like, uh, oh goodness, the, the, the dung eater, for instance, he's kind of uh-huh. like your main, your main one. And then you see him down in the sewers. Well, if you were born, they, when you were young, they would go and they'd cut the horns off when you were like a baby. And if you survived it, they would let you live, but they would put you someplace out of sight, out of mind. So that's why in Landell you find it was so like many a, of them. like a shameful. Yeah, you find so many like of birth them, or something, right? Yeah, you find so many of them in the <clears> sewers because that's where they locked them up. And that you actually find uh, Moog and uh, Margot's um, shackles from when they were imprisoned down there because they're America's kids, so they're royalty. Oh, I missed that. I didn't see the shackles. You see, did I you, found did two you see of the shackles. Them. I don't see the shackles. They were down by those evil freaking lobsters. Oh gosh, I hate those things. <laughs> Snipers, man. It's ridiculous. I remember this. I remember the the lobster area. I remember being one down of them's there down there. I forget where I got the other one, but it's in Landell too, I believe. Are and the shackles big? Like, are they like really no, big shackles? No, it's like a little or? item. It almost looks like a like a talisman. You can equip it, and actually, when you go into the fight, if you use it, it kind of like. And I didn't know this at the time. I found this out after the fact. Um, it subdues them in some way, makes the fight easier. For both oh, Moog like, and f- and for Margot, that you isn't that the thing you pick up from uh, the uh, little thief you see towards the beginning of the game, and then you, you see him later at the the lava manor, and then you oh can yeah, you're talking about patches. It. Yeah, patches. Yeah, you can yeah. pick it up. Margot's shackle. You can pick up. He, that, that's I the thing you're he, talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, you get Margot's from him. That's right. You get Margot's from him, and you find Moog's down in the bottom by those evil freaking lobsters in Landell in the sewers. And, uh, okay. Anyway. So it's, it, it's an item. It's not like you actually see like a pair of like huge shackles up. No, that's like just what it's like called. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And so, you know, and so that, that's interesting. So you got these two, you know, royalty, they're both omens. They've, they've got the crazy horns and stuff. And so they're kind of outcasts and, you know, Moog does his whole thing with finding this other person. That's like a mother God and kind of lines, lines himself with her. So there's another God there but kind of getting back to the whole God thing. And then you've got, uh, it seems anyway, that um, you have the, you've seen the Crucible Knights, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the original tree, the Crucible Faith, was part of the original Erd tree before it got messed with. And that's where the horns come from. And I don't know if there's any, you know, correlation between the horns on the omens or not, but there could be. But um, Anyway, so you have them. So they're the gods that were there before, and like the death birds were part of that whole thing because before the Erd tree, the way that people were, when they were dead, they were burned in ghost flame, that black-white flame that like the god-skin apostles attack you with yep, and, and yep. The, the, the death birds. Well, they're all against these new Elden gods because they're outer forces, and that's why they use the ghost flame. So there's just all kinds of things going on in this game. You just, it's just like layers on layers and layers and layers, and it's... And then that's why, like, for me, it's like, it's really exciting to go look and read and find out about and watch videos, but it's really sad that it's not more accessible in an easier way. And I mean, I get it. They want to let people have their own adventure and kind of just organically go through the world. And there's something to be said for that. But for someone like me who loves story mm-hmm. and, um, it's been funny is the more time I played it and as, as I've kind of gone through and done a more guided playthrough and I'm figuring out who's aligned with who and what all this means uh, one of my favorite uh, book series I've read is the Malazan Books of the Fallen. And you can just tell uh, from the names of those, it's about a bunch of terrible stuff. They're incredible stories, great world building. Steven Erickson's the author. If anybody wants to check those out, they're incredible. First one I think is called Gardens of the Moon. Um, but it's the same kind of thing. It's like this incredible world, but everything is going wrong. 
and there's all these gods at play that are at war with one another and forces at war with one another. And it reminded me very much of that. And you're right. You dig into it and you figure out, yeah, this is a tragic, broken place that used to be incredible and beautiful. But now it's not because different people with different, you know, agendas decided that they were going to seize their opportunity and this is what you're left with. And, but you don't really get that without help, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's definitely, um, it's one of those situations where like on the one hand, it's like, I'm glad that like I was able to hear different types of nuggets from Nick, like over, over the, the multiple weeks and stuff that, that he, when he started finding out, like he started sharing some of it with me. And then I looked online and was looking at some of it as well. And, um, it does lead me to the fact that, and I think we, we can all agree on this is that I wish that they had a journal feature within the game because I really would love to have some place where I could actually, um, have like, you know, if, if I'm, um, let's say I find some random ghost dude who's frozen in a position and he says some kind of cryptic message, or if I get some kind of item and I take the time to inspect the description of the item, those types of things should automatically be transcribed into a journal. So that way it kind of acts as an assistant to be able to help you like discover these different types of plot points that have to do with like what have already occurred and like what's occurring now and what could possibly occur into the future. Because, and I was thinking about it, like, like there are a number of different things that do offer like little bits of, of information. I mean, even if you go to like those sword graveyards where there's like, there's like a giant sword in the center and there's smaller swords around it. And, and there's like some sort of inscription on there. You read that and you're like, Oh, okay, well that's interesting. That's a bit different. Or like if you come across say certain types of uh, boss fights and they have a cinematic that plays before each one, often what they say is very, also very cryptic. Cause you're like, okay, they're clearly talking about something, but I have no reference <laughs> to know like what it is they're referring to. So they sound dangerous. They sound ancient. They, you know, I'm, I'm interested in in knowing what they have to say, but once again, there's just that, that kind of disconnect that I had. The other biggest issue too, is actually one of the game's greatest strengths, which is the fact that the game is so ginormous. It's like this big open world. And I, I mean, for myself, I found that, kind of like, like from like, let's say for instance, I, I see like one of those ghosts frozen in like a pose. Right. So I read like what he has to say or, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Oftentimes by the time I find something else, whether that's like a boss fight or it's some other piece of, of story crumb kind of stuff, I kind of forgot what the last thing said. And so then I'm like, wait, okay, how does this plug into that other thing I saw like two days ago when I've played like, you know, 10 to 20 hours worth of this game. So like those are the kind of things that like I would say is one of my very few nitpicks within the game is the fact that if we had some kind of journal feature in there that would record these different things and act as a reference point for the player, that would alleviate, I think, a lot of what they're doing, especially to your point, Nick, about how there is a, an emphasis on wanting to provide an organic experience for each one of us so that we all have kind of a, a different story to tell. Yeah. And I, I will say that, I mean, as playing devil's advocate, that if they did have something, you know, akin to like a, you know, a Skyrim journal or something along those lines, 
I do wonder if it would encourage you to go back as much to mm-hmm. play it again. Although I will counter with, I fired up Skyrim and made a character so many times I can't even count. So I'll go back <laughs> in there and keep playing it anyway, just because I like the game. Uh, this has kind of become my new Skyrim, honestly. But uh, yeah, I would say that is the one thing, is it because you, you realize you know, because of the water cooler moments, right? I call you know you and like, hey, what did you find this guy? Yeah, well, I found him. I can't do anything with him. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I was able to buy prawns from him because I found a necklace and gave it to this girl and bloody blah. And I'm like, what? I didn't get to do that, you know, or uh, just getting to areas that, you know, you think you, oh, yeah, I combed this area so well. And then it's like, well, no, actually, here's this whole other thing. I totally didn't see my first playthrough. I think that there is something to be said for, encouraging continued exploration and being able to play again and and not just be about trying out a new character. It's also about finding new things. Yeah. So I don't know. Take that for what you will. One of the, the other things I think is worth touching upon is the fact that you have these different, uh, I guess, family members that have taken residence in these different territories within the lands between and how if you take the time to actually learn about their motivations, they each have kind of their own. It's almost a matter of perspective, really. It's not as if like there's one. I mean, I would say there are a couple of characters in the game, a couple of the bosses that for more or less, I mean, they're, they're pretty evil. Like you're, you're just like, yeah, you're not a you, you got to go. But <laughs> Um, I would say the majority of them, though, it, it is a matter of perspective. They see almost like their way of life or what they think they bring to the table as been, being beneficial to all the rest of the folks. And so that's where you get this fragmentation going on, because then you have the other folks saying, no, I think my way is the best way to go. And I think they were successful in the game in the sense that as a tarnished, you know, we were talking about how early on we would have these decisions we'd have to make. So like if we went to volcano manor, for instance, and they offered, uh, you know, an invitation to join, we were kind of apprehensive at first. We're like, well, what does that mean? Like, what are the consequences of that? Because I'm part of the round table hold. And so does that mean that I'm now going to become the enemy of round table hold or what's the deal? And what was interesting was that from software was very intentional in that, there really aren't any kinds of horrible consequences for you based on what you decide to do within these, these territories and within the context of like some of these choices you have to make Fia being another one where, you know, she's, she has her perspective of wanting to kind of rebirth the, the older Elden Lord. Right. And in her mind, it's like, you know, this, this is the, the correct path to take. And I, th- and I think that is, you know, when I say uh, a matter of perspective, it's, it's like all these different paths that you take and you're almost, despite being kind of like the, you know, you're the main character trying to become Elden Lord, you are to a certain extent kind of taking a back seat to some of this stuff that goes on. What do you think, Steve? 
Well, I want to comment on a few things. Um, I mean, that everything really does make sense. Um, but to kind of piggyback off your journal idea, I would say in the roundtable hold, I mean, Gideon's there and he's the all-knowing and he keeps on referencing like the library and the books and the knowledge that's all there. I'm like, cool, can I read it? He's like, no. You're like, you know, that, <laughs> my books, yeah, you can't read anything. You know, I'm like, but I want to know this story. You know, I don't want to like jot down like, oh, I talked to the ghost and then I picked up this rock. Okay, writing this down, and then this was from this, and then this perfume over here was from you know I I'm I'm just not gonna do that right. Um, you do bring up a good point though. Not to, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I will. <laughs> is that you when, are, when yeah. it comes to Gideon though? Is there comes a point in the game where he is actually providing you? There is a list of the various demigods uh -huh. that you have to hunt down. And take out, and not only that, but but if you click on each one of the names, he actually gives you a synopsis of each one. So then suddenly, like you have more of an idea of what the purpose is for existing in this world, as well as what their purpose is. Right. But I mean, and, but purpose is a, is a thing I was going to touch on too, which is like, okay, you're a nobody in this game. Like you were awakened to do something and you're just kind of bumping along going, oh, you need to become Elden Lord. And okay, no, you need to take out Tarnished. Okay, no, you need to take out the Demigods. Okay, no. I'm like, okay, uh, who's going to push me in a different direction here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And and there really isn't no why. You just hear other people's stories and you, you become part of other quests. And I guess that's, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it but it's almost like, okay, why, why me though? I can answer that. Oh, can you? I think I can answer that. Oh. I think because when Queen America, first of all, I'm still trying to understand like, uh -huh. like her complete motivation mm. for the actions that she did back in the day. Mm. But one of the things that I have come to understand is that part of her motivation was she wanted to basically impose her own will onto like the, how do I, how do I say this? It's like, it's kind of like the metaphysical way that things work. So like, for instance, before she did, before she shattered the ring, um, if you had a person who died in the lands between, uh -huh. they would just die. Uh, right. They wouldn't be constantly resurrected, right? Yeah. Well, part of her motivation was that she wanted to disrupt that life cycle. Mm -hmm. She actually wants to keep everybody alive in perpetuity, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because you have the tarnished that are coming in. And by the way, I think the tarnished are actually being brought in by the greater will. But when you look at the people, for instance, like remember how we were always confused about the, um, the real, like night of the living dead people walk around. And we're like, why are they, why do they look like living skeletons? Gangly folks. It's because of queen America fiddling with what's right. going on. So basically they can't die either. They're living, living for so long and it doesn't matter how many times they die. In fact, like if, um, if you die as a tarnished and you know, you get brought back, think of it that way. Like when you get brought back, that's why they all get brought back too. It's like, it's, it's kind of its own version of a living hell. If you think about it, Nick, what say you? So it's interesting about the, the dead guys. So at the very beginning of the game, you get a pretty good hint about this. There's that fun little part in the swamp where you're walking along and all of a sudden dragon swoops down. Yes. Where he swoops down at, there's a bunch of those like zombie-like people sitting there kneeling. They're actually there hoping the dragon will light them on fire and kill them so that they can be born again, potentially. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Yes. Yes. See, I had no idea. 
Right, so, I mean, that, that doesn't answer the question of like, okay, who are, you're a tarnished, I get it, but like, why you? Why were you exactly woken up? I will tell you that too. <laughs> That's why I want to know the first time. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to unravel this thing the best I can. It's, it's quite the ball of yarn. It big, is. It is. <laughs> very, very astute. Yes, I like that. Um, so yes. the reason being is that, okay, so the greater will, you know, those like creepy fingers are like, show me yeah. a palm. Fingers. <sighs> they were always a little uh, on the breathy side, weren't they? They were just, yeah. <sighs> oh, you're like, okay, lady, calm down. Calm down there, old woman. You know, my hands are neat and all, but. <laughs> it's a little weird. Making it weird. It's very weird, yes. Magic and that's hot <laughs> to you. So to answer your question before I totally forget, uh-huh. Um so the greater will, which exists outside of the lands between, they uh-huh. they commune with these creepy giant two fingers everywhere and that sort of thing as basically kind of like their vessels in a way. But the so the greater will is trying to establish control once more over the lands between. Since Queen America has done what she's done, she's acted as a disruptor, and, and like like I said earlier, she like you know imposed this like mm. new laws of physics and like way of living that doesn't make sense. It's it's like totally wrong. Mm. So what the greater will has done is actually gone to bring people from outside the lands between who are known as the tarnished. And that's why there are not just one tarnished. It's not just you being a tarnished, but there are multiple tarnished that exist in the game. Like you talk to them. They're like, Oh, I'm trying to become Elden Lord too. And everything else. It's because the greater will is somehow like resurrecting through grace, like these, these different uh, nobodies in an attempt to try and reclaim um, the lands between and by having them become Elden Lord. That's so like there, there's a whole like purpose to all this stuff. But unfortunately, like I didn't know that while playing the game, I literally had to do some, some research online in order to figure it out. And there, there are a few folks who, man, like they, they, I don't even know how they figure that stuff out, but I appreciate it. Hmm. Here's something for you. Here's a oh. fun one. Oh. Yes, sir. Yes, so sir. On the nobody tarnished and you come in and like, of course you meet Vard. He's like, Oh, or Vare, however you say his name. And he's like, you don't have a finger maiden. Sucks to be you. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, um, there is a theory. Because later on, if you end up doing Ronnie's quest, you end up meeting uh, the dude with the big hat. Oh, man, the name's going to fail me. He makes the puppets. Oh, uh, what was it? That's the the sorcerer who helps Ronnie. uh, Not Blyde. Blyde is... uh, the wolf, the wolf. Eiji's the war master. So, uh, is it sort of the S? Saluvius? Saluvius? I think, I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. something like that. But anyway, uh, so if you do some of his stuff and you get in his little hidden area, he has a hidden area you can get to in the game, uh, you end up finding um, other puppets, people that he's like made into puppets, and you eventually he offers to make a puppet for you. Mm. And one of the puppets that you can get from him is the finger puppet Theralina. And the rumor is, I mean, this is all theory crafting, right? You know, people dig a lot of stuff and, you know, is this right? I don't know, but it's kind of neat. The theory is that she was actually supposed to be your finger maiden, but he turned her into a puppet. And see, okay, so, and tell us, what is the significance of having a, a finger maiden in the first place? The finger maiden is who guides you on on your your journey. They're the ones who direct you with grace and they go with you and they help you try to 
overcome all these obstacles that you're facing in the lands between, uh, they're, they're sort of like, uh, like a personal assistant or yeah. And I mean, <laughs> almost like a kind of, a your support. So if you actually, if you end up using the, the, the finger man in Theralina, she does like various spells that buff you. She'll try and heal you. Oh, like she's interesting. Like, she doesn't attack per se, but she's like, or at least she doesn't attack well. And, uh, she's there mostly just to support you in your journey and strengthen you to take on the obstacles and, and kind of direct you as you go. Right. I mean, uh, what is it? Oh gosh, here's another M name. Is it Malena? The gal that you actually, that masquerades as your, uh, uh, you're a finger maiden for a little while. And so she's like, Oh, by the way, I'm not, um, the pink haired girl. Yeah. The, she actually the one who says gave you torrent. That, yeah. Hey, you, you know, let, let me come with you and I'll guide you. I can be your finger maiden. Right. Yeah. 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 And, th- and then she's trying to take on that role that they would normally take, but she's not one. And there's a whole it, bunch of theories about who she is and her. In our defense, Ron, I could go down, but, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I do wish that George would have like kind of, been a little more creative with the names because you have a lot of names that sound awfully similar. <laughs> like yes. Yes, you Radigan do. Radigan versus Radon versus Melania God, versus America versus Godwin, Godfrey, Godric. <laughs> Godwin, Godric. Yeah, I'm just like, I think we need another iteration of this. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. that doesn't help with the whole like putting everything together either, like at all, <laughs> for the record. What were you going to say, Steve? I was just going to say just Put somebody here's George. There George. Now, that would be most remembered right there because you wouldn't you would know who he was. Indeed. He, his name doesn't rhyme with anybody else's. Indeed. I also wanted to touch on the um the shadows, oh. if you wouldn't mind, Nick. Uh which shadows are you referring to? So like um okay, so Queen America had her shadow, which was Malekith. Oh, and, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yeah. And like, so, it, uh, I think it was Ronnie that had Blyde. Blyde. Yeah, Blyde was hers. And then Horaloo. Um, had the tiger. It was kind of a, I don't know if it was if it was classified as a shadow, but I mean, it was more or less like a, a guardian, right? Like the lion. Yes. It was yeah. a lion, right? Like a white lion. Some tiger, yeah. lion. Cats. Yeah, the demi the demigods, from my understanding, basically they, they all have one. And, and oh, man. Blyde's story killed me. Like, yeah. like I said, the more you play the game, the further you get, the more tragic it gets. You have these characters you like, they tend to die. You know, it sucks. His in particular is really bad because, yeah, he was appointed to be her guardian, essentially, uh, by the two fingers. So that's where the problem happens, right? Because Ronnie's whole deal is she's done with the two fingers. She actually, you know, turned herself into this, essentially this puppet that's in this doll and, you know, destroyed the two fingers that were guiding her and, you know, set off the, the black tiche to go murder everybody. And the problem was, is that Blyde was imparted to her by the greater will. And so she kind of understands and EG actually understands her war master to some degree that, that Blyde eventually is going to turn on her because she's going against the greater will. And ultimately he's an agent of the greater will. And oh so, really? All, yeah, are, and is so that, that for all the shadows or just him? I mean that that's essentially all the shadows are tied to the greater will. Yeah, they're all tied. But because she's directly re, you know revolting against it, you eventually end up in this point where he goes crazy and he does actually attack and, and he basically oh. goes full on feral. You you fight him outside of uh, her Did you do that Steve? Her spire. And 
yeah, it's it's really it's it's kind of tragic. Yeah, and then you got Horalu with his, which he actually, gosh, he kills kills it to get power to try to beat you in that fight. You know, and you, you see the the relationship between the two of them as he tells him, you know, I'm sorry, I've got to do this, and then just basically wrings all the blood out of him. It's really lovely. And, and then well, Malaketh is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, what is interesting to to touch upon. Uh, real quick is the notion that these shadows, I'll just call them shadow guardians. They almost act as inhibitors. Like they're like these gatekeeping inhibitors. Cause if you think about like Horolu, like you were just talking about Nick, um, the, the lion that was attached to him basically it was there in order to kind of stave off Horolu's lust for battle. Like we were told, we were taught that this particular character just, I mean, his, his sole purpose for existing was like, he was all about just taking on the battlefield and being the most fierce warrior that there ever was. And that's why he caught the eye of queen America back in the day in the first place, because she was looking for like, basically like a, a consort who was worthy of, mm. you know, royalty, so to speak. But then the lion basically was like, brought on to essentially cause him to just chill out. And what's interesting too, is that like with Nick, Nick, do you want to talk about um, uh, Malekith in terms of like his relationship to Queen America? Yeah. So he, he was, he was her specific shadow and, and she, you know, had him do a, a variety of things. And like th they're protectors. They're not just inhibitors. They are protectors. They have specific things. And his whole role was to strike down our enemies and, and guard things. And so as her loyal warrior, uh, when, uh, when she removed destined death from the Elden ring, when she did the shattering, she basically said he has to guard it and set him to do it. Right. Um, are you familiar with, uh, what destined death is in the game? No. Could you please, uh, inform Steve Nicholas? So, uh, destined death, I believe, is the, what allows things to die permanently. If yes. I remember correctly, yeah, I haven't. I read about that a while ago. So that, that is that is the the key. But remember, I was telling you about how like she was messing with stuff and mm. and made everybody live in perpetuity, that sort of thing. Sure. One of the actual fail safes of that was that she took the she basically took destined death, which is basically a fancy way of saying you know people's mortality mm -hmm. and it's, it's personified in the game as like the, you know, just kind of black and red kind of energy ball kind of thing. If you recall, remember when you fight Malekith and he's like, he plunges that, that dagger into his hand and then yes. you see the stuff spilling out. Yes. It's because he, the, here's a really good way of thinking about it. Mm. Ghostbusters, the ghost trap, the ghost trap can always contains the ghost. If you open up the ghost trap, you let the ghost out. It's exactly the same thing. Almost with, when it comes to Malekith, because Malekith was essentially the ghost trap for destined death. And then by plunging that in, he, he was basically going against what Queen America wanted him to do, which was basically like be custodian of this thing forever. And so then once that spilled out, then all of a sudden that like really started shaking up everything because now it was, it was no longer, Oh, you're just going to constantly come back to life over and over and over again. I think I got pictures of that. Interesting. Yeah. So basically, Screenshots. yeah, you're, you're totally right. And essentially it's, um, she would use destined death to remove 
any obstacle in her way from being revived. That that was kind of the whole thing. So whenever, you know, they would die, they'd enter, they wouldn't enter a state of decomposition, but they'd get resurrected at the Erd tree roots like we talked about earlier. And so that was allowing her to do exactly what you're talking about, was manipulate that eternal life. But if she didn't want you to be there, she could do that. And so basically all the sinners and people that she deemed were unworthy or, um, or harmful to her rule, mm-hmm. she'd eliminate them using it. And so she eventually crafted a rune of death into the the black blade that you're talking about, and then, uh, you know, basically said, Malekith, that's your job to go ahead and uh, protect this thing, mm-hmm. right? And <clears throat> one of the other things too that is also part of the tragic relationship, just within that relationship between Queen America and Malekith, is that she kind of ditched him, like that. The okay, you know what? Let me ask you both, you guys, this question. Okay. Um. Did you did you find all the death roots to give no. to Garunk? No, I found like three. Okay, did you, Nick? I didn't find all of them. I found a lot of them. Okay, it, it's it's totally fine. It's, it's not. There's no wrong oh, answer okay, here. Cool. But what the reason I ask is that so what was interesting was that by the time that I fought Malekith, I had not found all the death root yet, and. I, you know, all of a sudden he does his big reveal. I'm like, whoa. I, and the thing is, is that um, <laughs> I had, before I fought Malekith, I don't want to spoil anything, but like you basically have an event that transpires if you give him enough death root mm-hmm. to the point where I, when I saw Malekith, uh, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I don't know. I, I'm, now I'm at a crossroads. I don't know if I should totally talk about this because well, you guys I, haven't seen this yet. Well, I remember when you we were talking when you, when you faced him because you had, you had just beat him. I, I don't know if you were twitching or whatever, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, what's the guy at Kaled?" I'm like, "Yeah," and uh-huh. you said, "Was he still there though?" And I said, "Yeah," because I went back to see him and I made him mad and tried to fight him. And um, <laughs> you so, bully, yeah. And so I mean, he's definitely still there. And you went, "Oh, huh." Oh, okay. And I'm like, this conversation is odd now. So, okay. So since I already told you, I'll just say really quickly. um, So yes. So based off what you're talking about, um, I, so I I defeated Malekith and I was thinking, wait a minute. Does that mean that, that Gronk is, is no, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing the name correctly. Um, Garrick or Garak or yeah, whatever. Something something like that. Um, but I was like, wait, does that mean he's gone? And that's why I was asking you, like, is, is he gone? And I go back and, sh- and thankfully he's, he's not, he's not gone. And so what I ended up doing was I found the rest of the death route and I, because you guys haven't done, haven't seen it yet. I'm not going to say what he says, but there is some exposition that he does say when you collect all the death route that totally coincides with like his agony being, in the position that he has been in because he so desires to just be back with Queen America and he realizes how he's been used basically by well, Queen I mean, America. The yeah. whole thing is crazy, right? Because he goes into exile basically um, after the, the night of the Black Knives because the Black Knife Tishas have blades made that had the rune of death in them and he doesn't understand how they got it. And that's a whole nother yarn to unravel uh-huh. uh, that, and that was a plot that was launched by princess Ronnie as you know in her defiance of the greater will and her desire to bring on her idea of what the lands between should be like right and so 
the first person that they killed on the, the Night of the Black Knives was Godwin the Golden, the firstborn son of America. And basically, his when his uh, soul perishes, it corrupts the tree. And you later see Fia sitting by that later, Fia the deathbed, the deathbed maiden. I can talk. <laughs> the deathbabe. Yeah. The deathbabe. Goth girls have got hot. nothing on that shit. <laughs> that's right. But anyway, um, and that's 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 the reason why people that are coming back from the Erd Tree are these zombie-looking things, is because the Erd Tree's been corrupted by by Godwin's you know soul or body or whatever when he he died to the the destined death blades. And so, yeah, so then at that point, Malekith is like, he feels like he's failed. And so he basically hides him away in the bestial sanctum, posing as the guy you're talking about, mm-hmm. from what I understand, with the idea to ensure that nobody could ever steal that rune of death again. Yeah, I, I got to say, I I know you guys are already on uh, your journey number two. Definitely try to find all the death route just because to book in that particular character journey, that, that character arc of Malekith, I thought it was one of the most powerful in the game. Like to, to, to first come upon him in Kaled where he's like this really imposing, dangerous character. And you're like, is this guy going to like kill me? Like what's his deal? You know, and you hear him talking and he's like obsessing over death route. And you're like, geez, that sounds like awfully like, morbid and evil and that sort of thing. It doesn't sound happy at all. Yeah, exactly. Are you sure you don't want any peaches and cream? Yeah. You want a latte or something? (laughs) I mean, I can whip up something. I got a lot of flowers here. I make you a nice bouquet cup of tea. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I think, you know, what's interesting is that, so you go from that feeling to then you kind of start getting comfortable with him because you start bringing him multiple death routes. And then there's like an instance that occurs where you're just like, whoa, like he attacks you. I don't know if you've gotten that far with him or not, but like, like basically the death route, like kind of overtakes him temporarily. And so then you're like, you're like, oh my gosh, like, is this going to be another boss fight? Like what's going on? Luckily, like you're able to like, basically like, you know, injure him enough where he comes to his senses and he apologizes. And so then you're just like, dude, like, what was that? And you're just like, okay, are we cool? Or are we not cool? Like what the <laughs> heck is going on? And then you see, you know, you get to him as Malekith and suddenly you're like, dude, this is, oh, this sucks. Now we're, we're having a full on fight. Well, you know, I guess I can't be too surprised. And then you go back and you see where he is and you're just like, and you hear what he has to say and everything else. And then you feel totally sorry for the character. You're like, so you, so even you as a player, you go through this roller coaster of like kind of discovering who this character is, what their motives are. And you know, it's like, am I supposed to, you know, be cool with you? Cause like, you know, you introduced to him by another tarnished in the round table hold. Right. Like, I thought we were like, you were a reference to somebody who was cool and you seem okay, but you're awfully big and got big claws and you, you know, <laughs> you sound menacing and mean. Now I'm fighting you and <laughs> you seem like, Oh, now all bets are off. And now it's just like, Oh dude, like I'm going to shed a tear for you. Like, anyway, I mean, again, that type of storytelling is not forthcoming in the game. That was something that, either I had to pick up some breadcrumbs from talking to Nick or I had to go online and, um, r- you know, listen to other people talk and that sort of thing, come up with, with like, you know, this painstaking timeline of things to that happen. But then once you know it, you're like, that is 
profound. That is so cool because it, it, it ceases to become um, like just a one dimensional, I'm evil, I'm bad. You know, like instead it's like, whoa, this is a very complex character and the relationships that this character have uh, with various other types of players in, you know, this, uh, this, this roster of, of uh, cast, so to speak. Well, here's an interesting thing about that. You talk about the guy you met in the round table hold. The guy you meet in the round table hold is D. If you understand who D is, it makes perfect sense why him and Malekith are aligned. D is a knight of the, of the Golden Order. He is 100% a zealot for rebirth and the Erd Tree and the greater will. He's protecting destined death from making things permanently dead. And D is always talking about those who deal in death. Beware of mariners because those are all the, the types of things that permanently kill and mm -hmm. you can't be reborn, right? And so it makes sense when you think about it going back and going, oh, no wonder he had you go into him and given him that because that was going to allow him to keep anybody else from gaining control of the rune of destiny ever again, you know, because that's why he's in exile. So, yeah, I mean, it all kind of ties together in interesting ways. But, yeah, you're right. You don't get a ton of that from your your initial playthroughs unless you just luck into it or you have an uncanny knack for understanding where they're trying to point you and you yeah. just kind of like end up going the right way. But I'll say this, you say his story sad. You didn't finish warrior jar Alexander's story. No, I did not. And that was heartbreaking. That was my guy. See, and, and that's part of the fun too, is being able <laughs> to like have that replayability in so many different ways, you know, like even talking about Malekith right now, it just popped in my head. Well, what happens if I were to find all the death route before I fight him as Malekith? Because I, something happens and I don't want to say what happens, but basically like I'm wondering if, if you find all the death route prior to fighting him that maybe you don't have to fight him. And uh, you probably still have to fight him. I don't know. I mean, like, like there is something that happens and I'm just like, well, it's worth looking into anyway. Well, I think that's where the game really just shoots itself in the foot because I mean, hearing you guys talk about it is interesting. I'm kind of I'm I'm gathering some of what you're saying, and then some stuff is just <laughs> rolling over my head, and I'm kind of like uh, trying to hold in a yawn. But uh, <laughs> but either Sorry, way, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's a bunch of pieces that you have to put together, and as I'm playing the game and I'm directionless on where to go and who to see and who to talk to and what quest to take up and what quest to either, you know, continue searching for or just give up because I can't find anything to continue the quest and I want to go to go further with something cooler, um, then I, I'm doing myself a disservice because of how the game has been designed and created and just put the story six feet under and you're like, oh, well, you got to keep digging. And, you know, and it's... To me, it's unfortunate because if you do spend the time, it's not through the game. It's through other research that you have to do watching YouTube, reading Reddit, or you know, watching interviews with the game developers. And if you don't do that, then you miss out. Yeah. But you shouldn't have to do that. I mean, how many good games are there out there? I mean, you mentioned Red Dead Redemption earlier. We love that story. I mean, we want to be in that world. We want more of it. Yeah. And it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I could go all the way back to like Lunar Silver Star story. Yeah. I love that story. I remember that I was playing the kid as a, as a kid. 
And I didn't have to, I mean, there was probably more there that we could dig up, but we just didn't because there was enough there that was really just awesome. A lot of meat that you can sink your teeth into. And so at some point, like for me personally, I got to playing the game and I thought, okay, to me, it's just more important to become stronger so I don't die as much and <laughs> to see the, and to see like the next cool thing. And mm. maybe the next cool thing was like finding the next demigod or like big boss that I marveled at and, and, uh, or the cutscene, you know? Um, but you know, you only have so much time during the day. You want to play other games. You want to watch other movies and how much more are you just going to start you know, just digging into this one to figure out like, what means what and you got to you got to give people like online credit because who knows how much time they spent like yeah. you know writing down every little conversation fragmented sentence like a ghost gave them or versus all these you know items and trinkets and talismans and weapons and flowers and <laughs> armor sets and whatever right um i mean you know I, that they didn't figure that out in half an hour that took days yeah no it definitely took them a long time and that is a head scratcher for sure you know, not only because it is an action RPG and, and we're just as gamers where we are conditioned to expect to be told a story, but also too the story itself. I mean, even what, what Nick and I have disclosed on the show, I'm sure now your, your mind is connecting the dots and you're like, wow, that's actually pretty fascinating. But here's the thing too, is I mean, before this conversation, I've watched two separate videos made by two different YouTube creators who were telling me the story and both of them were like at least 27 minutes long. Yeah. And so like 27 minutes is a long time to tell me the story of a game and, and even they're just reaching and grasping to connect yeah. the dots. And so like, this is the third go around and now it's finally starting to make sense. Right. But even so, like in if like the, the the next new game plus, I'm probably not going to get to everywhere I need to get to. Like already, I'm going like, what happened to the 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 chick who wants to eat the the plum grapes or whatever they are? Oh, uh, or you I know, know what happens to her? I mean, <laughs> and so like my my next plague through, I'm literally online going, okay, I met this chick. What happened? Okay, and now I'm uh, you know I I. My first playthrough, I healed the the chick of Scarlet Rock. Nick, you were telling me that that you know that she's pretty throughout the game. I never saw her again. So now I'm like going back to YouTube, going, okay, where's uh, she pop oh, yeah. up again? Her next? story's sad too. <laughs> and I have to like like be attached to YouTube or attached to Reddit to even like have this alternate experience with the game. And that's I wish it just wasn't like that. I wish it just, you know, maybe not be completely forthright, but, um, well, again, it's, it's, it's all about like, for instance, having a journal feature would be tremendously right. helpful because for instance, you know, cataloging every type of NPC that you come across and meet and you're like, Oh yeah, there's that one person. I would say cyberpunk does a good job with the journal entries, right? Where like, you know, we, when you're playing cyberpunk, it keeps, um, record of the main quest lines as well as side quests as well as the characters you've run into and, and like certain types of synopsis and in some of the um, the tabs within the journal have even more lore like if you're interested in finding out more information about these different characters if you want but it's not necessary it's whatever but I found myself like I use the journal entry quite a bit in cyberpunk and I thought it was actually uh, pretty well designed honestly hmm. Well, let's move on from story because I mean uh, that uh, that is a very like like uh, Nick was saying that's a that's a big ball of yarn and I think even for, for, hours. for I mean <laughs> yeah I mean and not only that but I think we like in terms of Nick and myself I mean, 
I know I can speak for myself. I don't have the the whole story 100% figured out. Not me either. So, um, I, I, I do think it's, it's worth mentioning that I have a friend at work who I recently discovered. He is on new game plus nine. Oh, I'm like, dang. how, how, how Do you sleep? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just like, that is insane. I like, it's very impressive. But I'm just like, I'm just now doing journey number two. That's, that's insane. Anyway, um, were you going to say something? Uh, I, no, I, I know another guy who's about new game plus nine. Oh, really? Is, yeah. that, is that the same? Yeah. Okay. And what he did too, is he, he's only, he wants to follow like the community guidelines. And so he goes, he's only leveled up to 150. He's never gone past 150. So he's at new game plus nine remaining at level 150. Oh my goodness. That has got to be the most punishing <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, kudos. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. That wraps up part one of our Elden Ring review. As I mentioned at the, the top of the show, part two is going to drop next week. So it will continue right where we left off with part one. And we will be going into the art direction, the world, combat mechanics, and our final ratings of the game. So you definitely do not want to miss out on that. And I thank you all for hanging out with us. We'll see you next week.